and welcome to a Living My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Kristen Hirsch. Now Kristen, the lead singer of the bands Throwing Muses and 50 Foot Wave, she's also a very accomplished solo artist. She got the Muses back together and they're releasing their latest album called Sun Racket in May. The lead single Dark Blue dropped a couple weeks ago. It's really good. We were supposed to do this interview a couple of times, but I had to cancel, she had to cancel, so we kind of started off the interview about our cancellations. Uh, Kristen talks about her battle with the record companies. She's fantastic, very talented author. She does it all as well. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kristen. Right. Like, drive. <laughs> right. Exactly. It could fall to the beach. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't do the essentials, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, oh, I am sorry. It was hard to get together. Oh, you know. How are you yeah. feeling? Oh, better now. It was. It's, it's so funny because like, I had I don't know like a stomach bug, so I was you know both ends in in the, in the bathroom. And my wife got sick, too, at the same time. It's the first time we've ever had that before. And we have a, a seven-month-old in the house as well. So our, our two oldest, thankfully, took care of him while we were, like, you know, dying. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. I remember living out in um, Pioneer Town, uh, California, which is, like, population nothing. It's, like, above Joshua Tree. So okay. it looks like Joshua Tree, but it snows there. and crazy cowboy town they used to make movies in it so people moved into the facades like hermit crabs and anyway odd place to live so people from la would come visit when we lived there and had this this couple came and they cooked for us the whole time and so we ate what they made and we weren't really thinking about it (laughs) they were leaving they said we had the worst stomach flu of our lives last week. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And we just started dropping like flies. Oh. <laughs> the whole family was in one bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Thinking we were going to die. It's, yeah, and that's a perfect time to, you know, to tell you that, too, just as they're leaving. Oh, you know, it's, it's kind of important to tell you, you know, yeah. early on in the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We I, each had eaten a different thing right before we were felled by that flu, and we've never been able to face that food again. I can't deal with the herb rosemary. Right. My son Ryder can't eat cherry pie. <laughs> <laughs> the coyotes have feast, but. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's so it's so funny. You know, people like always do that. It's, you know, my, my my wife who's gotten sick a couple of times. She's like, I'll never eat the certain food again. Me, I don't care. I'll I'll, I'll do yeah. it again. Um, it's like an abuse abusive really? relation. Oh yeah, I, I don't care. I'll I'll I'll, I'll eat anything that has made me sick before. I mean, I'm I'm an idiot, but I'll I'll, I'll keep going back to it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you try being pregnant. That's the one you can't go back. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, right. Ah. Yeah. I've I, I've only had sympathy pains, you know. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I'm glad we, you know, kind of got delayed because found out about uh, Sun Racket coming out, which is which is pretty cool. And um, I, you know, heard the you know the, the first single, Dark Blue, which is really cool.
you. Yeah, yeah. So why only 10 songs? You guys are slacking after Purgatory had so many songs on it. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> This just had such a, a heavy um, slash delicate approach that it wasn't the uh, Purgatory Paradise essentially sounds like a rock band even though it's strange. I the production took a back seat, right? And it doesn't on this record. It's uh, it's not what most people would think of as produced, but it's. The sounds are bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to bring out solidity in these very delicate pieces, and then I had to add detail to the heavier songs, and the resulting almost extremes warrant stopping at 10 songs. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you would notice, you, you would... You would have had, you'll have enough after 10 okay. months. <laughs> right. A little fun racket goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, Purgatory, like, you know, you mentioned, you know, the 32 tracks and some of them were like, you know, less than a minute, less than two minutes. How do you determine the track listing, especially something like that, where it's, it's like almost like fluid a little bit? Yeah. There were a lot of different sequences. Um, but I also had to write the, a book. The Purgatory Paradise is a book. It was published as a book with a CD in it. So the um, it seemed impossible looking at that number of songs, having to reflect them in prose poetry and then back off the pretense of prose poetry and <laughs> tell a funny story and make sure that it makes the it's making its point. Um, that I think that determined the uh, the sequence itself because the book was the harder piece to make fit. It it has to present all of the visuals, uh, all of the thematic storyline, and then come to a conclusion that you will understand at the end of it. Whereas a record needed this record needed to introduce each recurrent. Um, melodic form or uh, rhythmic shift so that we could then repeat it. I don't know if you noticed that, but it, like a bridge will come back as a, right. an instrumental will come back as a chorus and all that, or like backing vocals will repeat. There's a lot of thematic repetition, which is easier to pull off in music than it is in um, prose. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. It would have just sounded crazy uh, if I didn't make the book work first, in other words. Yeah. Is, is that something that you would tackle again? Um, they asked me to write a possible Dust Clouds book, and I didn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not. I don't yeah. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, I, my last solo record, Riot at the Coyote Pops, was also a book, and I really love that. It's very open and clear compared to the convoluted nature of Purgatory Paradise. And I enjoyed both of them, but writing a book is, you know, it's time consuming. Yeah. And I, I work so carefully that I annoy myself. 
Tatch or something like that. Right, and you know, you're, you've written you know a bunch of books and all the albums. So, like, how do you like just sit down and like kind of clear your mind and say, "This is what I'm doing now. I'm going to write for myself, or I'm going to write for you know Fifty Foot Wave, or write for the muses." Like, how do you just like, you know, block out everything else and just like solely you know focus on that? I never did it on purpose. <laughs> I just would hear songs and then sort know them, copy them down. Your hands right. you have to be left alone to play what they want to play as long as you trust yourself to not be about chops you know that's right. like shtick for a comedian <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you know that your hands are experimental then you can trust them and the the lyrics and the melody should be the same thing it should be a sort of percussive invention and you'll tell the truth if you get tricked into doing so and that's kind of all I was doing so I suppose my mind needed to be pretty goddamn clear in order to do that, but right. I, I, uh, I don't have trouble with that for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have dog brain. <laughs> <laughs> so you have you like ever experienced like writer's block then or no? I wouldn't have called it that. I would have called it relief. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so like, with with the new record now um, comes out in in May, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, is this is something, is something like you're going to, like, it's, it's been such a long time with, with uh, Purgatory, and I know this one's, you know, going to come out, and I imagine that, you know, the music going to get on the road again. Are you going to now kind of solely focus on the music? Or are you going to go back and forth with solo and you know, kind of tackle, like, other things as well? Um, again, I guess the songs always tell me what to do. That sounds so lame, but <laughs> right. I don't know how else to put it. Right. I can't make a 50-foot wave song work solo very well. Yeah. So I always let the guitars decide. Songs written on my SG or Les Paul would be 50-foot waves. Songs written on the Telly or the Strat were for throwing muses, and then anything else for solo. And my drummers tell me that's a ridiculous system, that <laughs> it doesn't work. I keep using it anyway, and it just makes them mad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and now my solo record can be louder than the band record, so they might be right. Right. So what else am I going to do? I mean, let them choose their drummers. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just stay in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay in the back. Yeah. Don't talk so much. Right. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, like going like way back, like what like was your first like. You know, instinct that you wanted to be a musician. Like, what was what got you involved? My father told me I wasn't allowed to touch the Yamaha behind the couch, <laughs> <laughs> and so I would come home from school and just stare at this beautiful guitar every day. And he finally sat me down and taught me some chords. But he's, you know, a hippie. He knows like three chords. Right. So he can play every Bob Dylan, every Neil Young song. <laughs> and I just got mad. Like, what? <laughs> I need more. Right. It's like handing a kid three crayons, red, blue, and yellow. Like, okay, <laughs> you're done. And he had a point, but I didn't take it. So he handed me the guitar and said, it's yours. <laughs> and I took like, I guess about 10 years of classical guitar before I realized it was ruining my playing, 
I was losing touch with the vocabulary I would have developed if I had continued to just play on my own. Right. And it, it took a little while to get it back. It came back in a burst of throwing me this first record, but I mean, fair enough. Right? You gotta break mm-hmm. the rules and then learn the rules and then learn to break them. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I, I discovered you guys, um, obviously, in college. I was working at the radio station, and that was 95, I believe. So I think it was university that, that was out. And um, that was the first album I discovered you guys on and kind of went back, you know, and revisited the rest of your catalog. So, uh, you know, Bright Yellow Gun, you know, and Snake Face. I think Snake Face was my, my favorite song off that album. for us we had left the music business and then come back without any bitterness and uh just said well we're just not gonna give a shit because we don't you know right, right. <laughs> i had been i just you know i told warner brothers i i can't live with what you do in music what you do to women no i'm not gonna turn my back on either one of those things so breaking up my band and leaving and they didn't care. They said, all right, well, we still own you, so whatever we do is not going to be released. It's not going to be work. You're in music jail now. And right. uh, I thought, well, you know, there's life. 
music and life are very similar things. So right. spontaneous human impulses. I get music, I get life. I don't have to have anything to do with the goddamn music business. It has nothing to do with music and refuses to engage with music. Yeah. So it was a it was a good thing all around. And then my drummer said, like, well, it's the event anyway, and I'll be on your side, you know. And so we realized we could make a record that didn't hurt anyone's feelings that was challenging enough for us and um, sweet enough for our, I want to call it our sociability. Like right. Art is one thing and, uh, and humans are social creatures so you, you let your art burn but you can't set fire to everything because of it. <laughs> <laughs> and university taught us that. It was a real it was a straddling venture. Yeah, to have a single that isn't stupid is pretty lucky. Yeah, in, in, in that you know case, like how like when you release a single, then how are you guys like promoting if you're not on a on like a, a label and you don't have the you know the backing of you know a big record label, and especially that was you know before even like you know say Napster and then now all the streaming sites. So, like, what did you guys do? Was there a lot of legwork on your part? I was still stuck on Warner Brothers. They wouldn't let me go because I was signed as a key member and I wasn't going to sell out. I kept right. telling him, I'm not going to write any stupid songs and I'm not going to pose as a bimbo. It's not going to happen. So they were trying to bury me. They actually called all the radio stations that were playing Bright Yellow Gun and said, take this off the air. It's not what we're working. <laughs> all the radio stations were calling us saying, do you know what your record company is doing? <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> They're out kill me but we did it anyway because we didn't care you know we played we did our tour yeah radio station stopped playing it but you know every time you see somebody with a Grammy or on the cover of a magazine it's because it was bought and paid for and nothing we got was payola so there's that <laughs> yeah so the, the, and that means you pretty much like weeded out the people who I wouldn't say shouldn't have listened to the albums but like you know wouldn't appreciate them now you're just you're left with like the real hardcore fans who would appreciate your music yeah that's a good point you don't want to sound exclusive especially not when you're a commie band like us but right it we wanted to refine our audience and stop having those um i don't know what to call them i don't really mm. believe anybody's dumb but the dummies <laughs> right no i know or like the, like the lowest common you denominator know, they, <laughs> Yeah, the lowest common denominator is something I never believed in. I'd have this argument at Warner Brothers and say, <laughs> look, nobody's as stupid as you think they right. are. <laughs> How about you market to listeners, people who like music, and they'd say, oh, I'll lose my job if I try to do that. Right. And they were telling the truth, but uh, there are people who have been convinced of their lowest common denominator status, and they will respond to bad radio and bad advertisements and bad videos, bad everything, you know, the corporate recording industry. And we didn't need them at our shows wrecking it for actual listeners who need the soundtrack. Whereas most people are trying to expand their audience. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we were trying to refine ours and we got a strong listenership and that, you know, if you're about the bottom line, those are repeat customers. 
Right. It means sustainability in music. It just means you're not going to be a rock star, and there should never have been any rock stars. Mm-hmm. It means you're not going to be rich, and there should never have been any rich people. So you take money and fame out of the equation, suddenly you have musicians. Right. Now, and do you think, like, I mean, the band was kind of like, you know, a trailblazer in that regard? Because you had a lot of, like, you know, bands who are, you know, major labels for a long time, then they get dropped, then they have to, you know, go out on their own, and they kind of, like, lose... So, quote unquote, you know, the lowest common denominator. And, you know, they have like, you know, now a smaller fan base, more refined fans. So do you think in that regard, you guys were kind of like trailblazers and you did it on your own, not you were forced to? Uh, yeah, but it's also in the tradition of music itself. The music business isn't very old. Um, we, we wanted to find our audience and no more. We weren't going to lie or manipulate or dumb it down to get, I don't know, to just reach into people's wallets. That's not what we were doing. We wanted to play music, and then we wanted to play music again, and that's it. Right. Just sort of like walking a song from town to town and passing the hat. And like I said, we we weren't dropped. We were trapped. They wouldn't let us go. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't let me go. <laughs> Which is the other side of the industry. They... They bury you if they want to. And um, I ended up trading them my first solo record for my freedom, and that's what got us on this cast toward uh, being listener-supported. Right, and that first album was, you know, what was really good. Did you, like, appreciate that album, even though you were forced to kind of release it on the uh, on Warner? Oh, my first solo record? Yes. I wasn't sure they were really going to release it. I didn't understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so tiny. And I thought, well, this band no one cares about. You take one third of its members out, there are going to be far fewer people who care about it. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I learned an interesting lesson with that, which is that it's not a dollar to decibel equation. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some people like the bright, loud colors of a painting which is what a rock band is and some people like a pencil sketch so we play a piece of wood at them and they get hear the song more clearly right like your ghost probably probably like your signature song off that album uh you know fantastic song you know very haunting and you got michael stipe on there how, how did he get involved in that project if i walk down this hallway tonight it's too quiet so i've had Let him walk down your hallway It's not this quiet Slide down your receiver Sprint across the wire Follow my number Slide into my hand It's the blaze across my nightgown It's the phone's ring I think last night 
took my demos off of my business manager's desk in Athens, <laughs> and um, he kept calling me saying, like, don't fuck this up. <laughs> uh, I wasn't gonna fuck it up, but, I, you know, they they demand, like, especially if you're female, you, you have to bring a man in to produce, and right. so Lenny K was there, and he knew he wasn't gonna do anything. <laughs> I just made it. Right. I love Lenny. We had a great time, but, like, I just wanted to sound just like the demo, so... Michael kept calling, saying, it better sounds like the demo. <laughs> I like, yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was one thing I was having trouble with, though, was bringing the guitar and the cello together, because the cello was so huge and rumbling. Like, uh, I record in a horse stable. Okay. And so I was familiar with those body cavities sort of leaking onto the tape. Right. And, uh, there's a lot of horse sounds on my record. <laughs> <laughs> And it sounded like that. And I had spent so much time trying to get rid of that sound. And here I was putting it on on purpose because I really needed this low D on this particular song. And I couldn't pull the two disparate elements together. Michael called, and I kind of wasn't listening while he was talking, but the sound of his voice brought the two together because he's between cello and guitar. So I was like, oh, no, I can fix it. (laughs) You have to sing on it, and don't worry. They're not going to release this record anyway, and even if they do, there won't be a single, and even if there is, it won't be this song, and even if it is, there right. won't be a video, and of course there was. And he showed up for the video. <laughs> 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 Poor Michael. Yeah. Such a good story. Yeah. But no, it, it worked out. Yeah, the song is phenomenal, and uh, I like the re-recording of it as well with the 50-Foot Wave. That was that was really good as well. Oh, yeah, I love that. We've been doing that live um they were out for possible dust clouds with a drummer from 50 foot wave and then Fred, bass player from the muses and uh we did your ghost 
the 50s the wave version and an encore every night. And you mentioned videos. Do you actually enjoy making them? You. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really do them. I don't think. Sometimes people do them for me. Right. But like, you know, even back then. I'm sure then, they yeah. could be good. I just. Yeah. Right. I have a lot of trouble with the visual. Right. Um, part of this anyway, the any marketing and I keep saying I work in sound, but you know you sit down with a publicist and they're just like, "Well, oh, what color is your hair?" <laughs> right. <laughs> like I don't know where to begin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Well, what does it matter how how my hair what the hair color is? You know, no matter how it sounds. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. They really are about style over substance. Yeah, yeah. Now, like when Muses, you know, first came out, you guys were, you know, you know, touring. You guys were on like, you know, the late night shows. Did you enjoy performing on those shows, or no? Same thing, like the videos. Uh, yeah, I'd rather just get lost in a show. Right. It's we're not really performers per se, but we disappear while we're playing because it's a this is complex material so you you can't do anything but lose yourself you can't think about anyone watching you're just it's like a circular breathing thing you make a big didgeridoo with the audience <laughs> <laughs> and then you're not on stage the only reason you're up there is because a listening venue facilitates listening process it's unfortunately attracted a whole lot of people that like to be like that so we associate it with the tap dancing rock star wannabe right. people and that's not what a musician yeah. is we um it's still all about the sound even when we're playing live obviously we're way too shy for anything else <laughs> right yeah <laughs> absolutely now this is totally unrelated to music but i was on your, your twitter account and you posted this picture which cracked me up because i've done this with my wife before a, a picture of uh, lipstick with like a, a you know lipstick number and a ridiculous name of, of the shade of red, I think it was, and um, I forgot the name of what it was called, but it was like deeply disturbed deeply or something. Deeply disturbed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was joking with my wife about that. It's like you know, it's red, it's brown. Now they come up with these like ridiculous names of all these you know lipsticks, and I'm glad that you pointed that out. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. My boyfriend and I are essentially the same person. Right. But one of us has to paint on a mask with different features before we leave the house. <laughs> it's crazy. And when you start to take apart the way the feminine is treated in this culture, um, you see that women are in a lot of trouble. Right. No, it's, it's true. Now, do you, like, do you think that now it's, I mean... I don't know if it's a loaded question, but it's easier for, uh, you know, a female musician to get ahead? Easier? Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I I would like it if people, um, for people. Right, <laughs> true. Genders. Absolutely. So when a, someone who happens to be female plays, I would like to see them not kick the side if they don't play the fashion game. I don't know if that's happened or not. I, I doubt it very much. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I'm uh, a mother of four sons, and um, you know, people just assume I'm a lesbian because <laughs> I don't, because I'm not an bimbo. Right. You know, 
It's like, really? We can't just be people yet? Like, I don't mind you thinking I'm a lesbian, but how about we stop calling people anything? Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> just people, musicians, artists, you know, it's it's it's, it's an easy right. term to, you know, to, to say. It's You're absolutely right. Yeah, here's some sound. We should be allowed to just nail it out. Right, <laughs> right. Like, we all love different people. Yeah. We all are different people. Like, I don't really um, see how it could possibly move us forward musically to start categorizing people. Yeah. And play it. No, you're you're absolutely absolutely right. How how did you you know kind of balance your like work life, touring, performing, and you know having your sons? Uh, I don't know. I've never <laughs> known anything else. Right. <laughs> I had my first baby the year I released my first record. Um, I felt you know I'm sure I was tired, still am, but <laughs> uh, I'm also having it all. That's a thing, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I remember loading out our 50-foot wave shows, 2 o'clock in the morning, finally getting into the bus at 4, knowing the baby was going to be up at 6, and realizing this has been like eight months of this. I'm probably going to die soon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I never felt anything but everything if that makes any sense right yeah you know, i got to have everything yeah absolutely do um do work you, and love and yeah. art and babies right do your do your sons appreciate your music they do or at least they tell me they do they're, <laughs> right they're very polite young men <laughs> yeah yeah it's the right answer <laughs> absolutely but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh yeah i'm looking forward to sun racket it comes out in in may uh all the best with the record and uh, thank you so much thank you thank you so much i'm glad y'all are feeling better and a special thanks to Kristen for joining me today go check her out on twitter at Kristen hurt at Growing Muses, KristenHirsch.com, GrowingMuses.com. Sun Racket comes out in May. Like I said before, check out Dark Blue. It's out now. You can listen to the song during the interview. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first all 19 Be sure to like the page will be my youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I would really appreciate it. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. And go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com for all your merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, stickers. It's all there. A new episode comes out every Wednesday, yeah, sometimes Thursday. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>